The seven-year car loan is becoming a thing as consumers buy into the illusion of affordability. We'll get into what's driving the trend of longer auto loans, including what to expect the next time you visit a car dealership, plus the results of our poll showing what you, our money friends, had to say about it. That and so much more on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And from just outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show, I'm Joe Salcihi. This is the money news show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape. We break them down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And we do it for you six days a week. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by M1 Finance. Smart money management. Take control and personalize your finances. Invest, borrow, and spend seamlessly all in one place. Be invested with M1 Finance. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash M the number one finance. That's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash M number one finance. Today, we're talking about people financing, like that transition, cars for seven years. What's the longest car loan you ever had, Joe? Have you had a car loan? I've, I've, I've had, I had a five-year car loan back in the day when I had car loans. Five yeah. was the longest I had. And I went through a period early on when leasing first was a thing where I leased cars before I did the math on that. We might not even get into that today, but that's ugly. Let's, I've never uh, leased a car, but I've had a car loan five years also. At least two of them before I got smart. But let's, and by the way, that's not bad for everybody, but wasn't necessarily great for me. Uh, Let's kick off this discussion though. Let's see who is helping us, which friend is helping us start off today's show. This is Gertrude, room mom over at the Stacking Benjamins Facebook basement group. I just like hanging out and chatting about the news. That's why I tuned into Money with Friends. All right, let's get into this piece from the Wall Street Journal. And it is written by Ben Eisen and Adrian Roberts. The seven-year auto loan, America's middle class can't afford its cars. Inexpensive and generous financing is putting consumers deep in debt. Walk into an auto dealership these days and you might walk out with a seven-year car loan. That means monthly payments that last well past when the brake pads (laughs) give out and potentially beyond when the car gets traded in for a new one. About a third of auto loans for new vehicles taken in the first half of 2019 had terms of longer than six years. That according to credit reporting firm Experian. A decade ago, that number was less than 10%. Car loans are increasingly stretched out, uh, are a pronounced sign that some American middle-class buyers can't afford a middle-class lifestyle. Incomes have risen at a sluggish pace in the past decade, but car prices have grown rapidly. New technological and safety features, such as larger and more sophisticated multimedia displays, have made even the most basic cars more expensive. U.S. consumers also have veered towards pricier rides, such as sport utility vehicles that tend to dominate auto showrooms. The result is that consumers are seeking bigger loans than ever to purchase a car. Americans are taking on more debt. Excuse me. A lending machine has revved up in response, making it possible for more Americans to procure a vehicle by spreading the debt over longer periods. Wall Street investors then snap up these loans, which are bundled into bonds. Dealers now make more money on the loans their customers take out than on the cars they sell. Mm -hmm. Let that sink in for a minute. 
Where's the money coming from? Yeah. All right. For many Americans, the availability of loans with larger terms has created an illusion of affordability. It has helped fuel car prices, car purchases that would have been out of reach with three, five, and even six-year loans. And then we have a quote from Brent Bronson Argyle, a professor at Brigham Young University, and he researches consumer credit. He says, quote, people can get into a very expensive car. Households are taking on, on average, more risk. Yeah, that's so ugly. Uh, as an example, uh, Devin Jones, the piece says, walked into the Rolling Hills Honda dealership in St. Joseph, Missouri in early 2017 after a salesman emailed him and said he might be able to buy a new car for less than $400 a month. Mr. Jones, now 22 years old, walked out with a gray Accord sedan with heated leather seats. He also took home a 72-month car loan that cost him and his then-girlfriend more than $500 a month. When they split last year and the monthly payment fell solely to him, it suddenly took up more than a quarter of his take-home pay. He paid $27,000 for the car, less than the sticker price, but took out a $36,000 loan with an interest rate of 1.9% to cover the purchase price and unpaid debt on two vehicles he bought as a teenager. It was particularly burdensome when combined with his other debt, including credit cards, he said. Just 18% of U.S. households had enough liquid assets to cover the cost of a new car, according to Wall Street Journal analysis of 2016 data from the Fred's the Fred the Fed's triannual survey of consumer finances a proportion that hasn't changed much in recent years even a conservative car loan often won't do it the median income US household with a 4-year loan 20% down and a payment under 10% of gross income a standard budget could afford a car worth 18,390 excluding taxes according to an analysis by personal finance website bankrate P- salespeople bobby are so good yep at looking at features of the car how awesome the car features are how great that's going to ride for you and then couch it in just the monthly payment and when when a car dealer starts talking monthly payment instead of the sticker price i i don't know i think that's the first sign you're probably in trouble yeah, and I want to just add this little nugget from later in the piece about where how much they're making on financing versus the car. So for, this is from further in the Wall Street Journal article. So far this year, dealerships made an average of $982 per new vehicle on finance and insurance versus $381 on the actual sale. That according to J.D. Power, which is a data and analytics company. And to put that in perspective, a decade earlier, the financing was bringing in $516 per, per car and the sale made dealers 837 So it yeah. has flipped where the big dollars are and the, the difference is much bigger. I mean, that's a huge spread. So they know when you come in there, it's not about getting you to buy the car. I mean, it's a little bit, but it's about the financing. That's where the real money is. When I bought when I bought my last car, which I paid cash for, um, and it was, by the way, a $5,000 car because I wasn't going to drive very much, didn't need anything outlandish. Uh, I actually got it from a car dealer. And what was interesting, Bobby, was they they brought in this paperwork. And I said, what's this paperwork? And the guy said, well, it's 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 the financing paperwork. And I looked at the guy and I said, it's a $5,000 car and I'm, I'm paying cash for it. And, right. and the guy goes, yeah, but everybody is just standard. You have to fill this out. And I said, why do I have to fill this out? Because you're going to be checking my credit and stuff. And I don't, I, I don't need you to check my credit. We're not going to use my credit. So why do we, why do we need this? And the guy goes, 
well, you know, it's just standard. We do it all the time. And I said, but, 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 but why? And he said, well, you know what? I'll go talk to the, I'll go talk to the sales manager. Came back a few minutes later and said, well, you don't have to have that, but we have this other thing that you have to buy. And, and he t- takes me out into the, uh, out into the, the waiting area and they have a car out there. And half of the car is like super duper waxed and looks really nice. It has like this, they called it the something shield. I don't remember. And they put this on the car and it cost you know, a bunch more money, like $1,500 more. And then the other side, they don't have it. And the guy said, so um, no financing, but you have to, the sales manager said, you have to, we, I can't sell you the car without you getting this. And I looked at him and I said, it's a $5,000 car. Like, Why the hell do I need that? And he looks back at me and he starts laughing. Like he's laughing with me. Like this is the most ridiculous sales pitch I have to, but, but my point is Bobby, if they can't get me to do the financing, they then start wheeling out all this other stuff because they realized, and I realized they weren't going to make any money on me. There was no way they were going to make money on me because getting me to sign up for a loan was the number one way they were going to, they were going to actually make money on this car. Right. And the hard sell is shifting because now, first of all, consumers have amazing resources to understand what the sticker price of an actual car of a car is, the actual sticker price of a car is. And so they can come in and they often do a lot of preparation and get ready. And they are just braced to get the best deal on the car. Many people do not put the same effort into in in advance researching their financing options. I remember when my husband and I went in to buy and we do have an SUV. And we did, because I had written a book and learned this in the book from the car experts, we did researching in advance on the financing as well. And we went to our bank where we had a number of accounts and we asked them in advance, would we qualify for this auto loan for about this amount of money? And what would the rate be? And we got pre-approved and had all that ready to go. And we got extra deductions. um, I mean, a better deal because they're going to automatically deduct it from our account. And that always can give you a better deal if you have auto pay no pun intended. And so when we went into the dealer and we had finally agreed on the car we were going to purchase and we went into the financing office, I think in this article, they call it the box. And we asked them repeatedly, well, what's the best financing deal you can give us? And they're pretending to be searching among all the different leaders and they've got their data system and they're getting us the best deal. We said, well, our bank offered us this better deal. So we're going to go with them. And they're like, well, you didn't say that you had a different offer. And we said, well, this deal is substantially better. I mean, it was a lot better. And they said, well, can we come back? I said, nope, I'm done with you guys. I'm going to stick with my bank. You guys matching it, I don't care. They were going to match it. I said, you know what? Then I'm going to stick with my bank because they gave me the straight up and they're giving me a discount for auto pay and all that stuff. And uh, they were not so happy with us, Joe. You can also, when you're not talking about monthly payment, which is what they're trained to do, what what it seems like they're not as uh, as worried about is the total cost of the car, like what the sticker price actually is. And pitting dealers against each other, there are several sites uh, online that will show you how to do this, reputable sites uh, like <laughs> Edmonds is exa- as an example. Kelly will show you how to do this. Many of the big time car sites will show you how to pit dealers against each other just to get them to their best deal. And uh, the last time I bought one from a car dealer, I actually, we did that and I brought bought the price of a uh, Volkswagen Jetta down substantially to the point that the local dealer who ended up matching it, I really want to buy from the local person because if I had to take it in for service or whatever, I wanted to buy it from them. They, they told me that the person was lying. And then I actually took their email 
because because they tell you by the way do this all over email so you're not getting a bunch of a bunch of uh, of phones of phone calls. I took the email. I just forwarded it to the other guy who's being accused of lying, and I said, "This guy says you're lying." And the guy came back and said, nope, this is out the door, da-da-da, everything. And I just sent it. And and I was out of the way. I, I let them fight it back out. And so the guy goes, yeah, yeah, okay. And you know what was bad, though? I'll tell you what was bad. We got to the table, and and you're signing on the dotted line for what the car cost. They actually, Bobby, tried to raise the price on the paperwork. And hope you didn't check. And hope we didn't before check Before you it. sign. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I would almost just walk out. At that point, we like, sh- I don't want to do business with somebody who's dishonest. We actually should have walked out. We didn't. I questioned it. And the guy's like, oh, that's a simple typo. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't a of typo. Course. I don't think no, that it was wasn't. a typo. Anyway, hope you don't notice. We've got we've got uh, not just you and I talking about this. You did a poll, one of your famous polls yes. on Instagram. What do we got? All right. My famous poll where I put you, Joe Salcihai, on the spot. So the question was, are car loans getting just too long? And the answer option was... Where does it end? Or, oh, it's fine. And so Joe has not seen the results of this poll. So we're going to see what Joe thinks our friends had to say about this issue. Carlin's getting too long. This is the easiest one. 100%. It's too long. No. 88% said, where does it end? Meaning it's, you know, this is getting ridiculous. And 12% did say, it's fine. Maybe that 12%, maybe they... um, Maybe they like at least having the option because you can go in and still do the five-year loan. It's not like they are making you do the seven or eight-year loan. They're just telling you it in the monthly costs and you're going for it because it sounds a lot better. But, you know, it's a choice, right? You can hear the sarcasm in my voice. Um, We also had some comments. So maybe we can dive into those and we can see what people were thinking behind their answers. I I don't know. My favorite one comes from Vincent. Vincent Rowe being, being, and by the way, Vincent, I stole this on television this morning. Uh, being upside down on a car is almost as bad as being upside down in a car. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I thought that's fantastic. That's Some good one. Um, we have one from Super Abundant Mind. She said, uh, she or he said, um, on average, Americans keep cars seven years. As soon as you pay it off, you get a new one. So basically, you're trapped in a vicious cycle of always having monthly payments. And our friend Kevin, who runs uh, La Pura Vita Company, boy, I slaughtered that, Kevin. Kevin's hanging out with us, says uh, it's ludicrous to trap yourself for seven years on a depreciating asset. Totally, totally agree. Exciting times. Ugliness. Just just these, these, these car loans. Uh, amazing. And in fact, uh, Grace says in Malaysia, car loans go up to nine years and it's common. People take them out all the time. That's absolutely that's horrible that people would take out a car loan for nine years. Malaysians, you're you're nuts. There's no way. That is bananas. Yeah. Uh, so in just a second, Bobby and I are going to have our biggest takeaway. We got some of yours. We're going to have our biggest takeaway here in just a second. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about M1 Finance. You know, on Saturday, we did a story about brokerage firms going to zero cost with their trades. Well, M1 Finance has been there from the beginning. We also talked about how Robinhood really was Spartan and didn't have any real tools that came with it or not many tools that came with it. M1 Finance is not like that. M1 Finance from the beginning was built for investors instead of traders. And when you make moves on M1 Finance, you're trading a 
pie, meaning you're not thinking about one stock. You're thinking about your entire portfolio and how they work together, which financial planners will tell you is a great way if you're a buy and hold investor to manage your money. So instead of buying shares, you're you're investing percentages. Maybe you want 30% in a large company stocked index and then 20% in a bond index, whatever it is, you start off with percentages. And then as life happens and the markets shift, you press one button and your portfolio automatically rebalances. And rebalancing, studies will show you, is the key to winning a long-term with investments. So for more on that, and if you want to kick the tires on M1 Finance, use our link, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance, and uh, they will send you a, they will send us a thank you for sending you their way. So thanks to everybody who's used our link when they've used M1 Finance. Cool tools that uh, our friend cool. Brian Barnes and company over at M1 Finance have there. All right, Bobby, it's time for our takeaway. You want to go first? Sure. I can't get away from this one line that really stood out, Joe. The illusion of affordability. It is not the price of the car. It's what you will pay in total as you so uh, aptly pointed out, Joe. You can't just research research the car ahead of time. You have to um, think about the financing as well and know what add-ons you want. Stay in control and don't be afraid to walk and read the paperwork too. They will be there if you come back. Trust me, they'll still send you that car. Don't forget your other options, pre-owned and leasing, something we didn't get to, but it can be right for some people. Maintain your role as the driver. Keep the dealer and the financing companies in the passenger seat. Absolutely. I think I, I think it's so important to remember that you're in charge. And when you walk into a car dealership, they do everything. In fact, I wish we could get to all the comments that we have that people that people uh, are saying in the comments here live, because when we started bringing up tricks that dealers play, so many people sharing tricks, we're not going to have time to get to them. My favorite line of the article that we didn't talk about, I think, Bobby, is my biggest takeaway, which is people are taking on more risk by going with longer term loans. And I don't think when we go with a longer term loan, we think of it as more risk. In fact, we've been trained to think of it as less risky. You know why? Because we can afford the monthly payment. And the monthly payment is not the risk. The risk is that you're going to get partway through that loan, like the gentleman in this article did, and you're going to be underwater on your car, meaning you owe more than the car's worth. And you never, ever, ever want to be in that situation. So I think, and we've talked about this on many occasions, People worry about one risk. Like as an example, we'll worry about stock market risk, so we'll put money in cash, not realizing that cash, if you've got a long-term goal, is a horrible place to be because there's a bigger risk, which is inflation, and your money's actually going to deteriorate the purchasing power. In this case, we're not just looking at can you afford the monthly payment. The bigger risk is what bad things are going to happen later when that car no longer works and you still owe money on it. Think about all risk when you're thinking about risk. That was my favorite line in this piece, that we're all taking on more risk. And I think, Bobby, most of us don't know it. Yeah, I think we both had favorite lines. Interesting. It was a really well done piece from the Wall Street Journal. So thanks to them as well. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, Bobby, if people want to participate in our poll, where can they do that? 
On both Instagram and Twitter, we are at Money Friends Pod. The polls are generally on the Instagram stories, so stay close to them. We also try to announce when we are going to be doing these tapings. So again, just look for those. We usually put a countdown clock on it. And also, you can find out when we're taping by going to our website at moneywithfriendspodcast.com, moneywithfriendspodcast.com, and just check out schedule. You can also see bios of our thought leaders for Cast 2 and our alums from Cast Number 1. See Season number one, all on our website. Speaking of our thought leaders, let's take just a second to to talk about who's going to debut this week. You have Diane Harris coming yes. up on tomorrow's show. Uh, for people that missed our reveal show, tell everybody just a little bit about Diane. So Diane Harris was for many years the editor-in-chief of Money Magazine and also pioneered the website money.com. So she is both a... Um, a sort of legendary magazine editor-in-chief in the money space, but also a pioneer in the digital space, which is really cool. She's now editor-at-large at Newsweek. She right now has the cover story by the time this goes out. It's a little extra intel for you guys on uh, the recession, if, if there's going to be a recession and what you need to do to sort of recession-proof your life, the steps that you can be taking. So check out Diane's cover story on Newsweek and definitely join us for her show. And then uh, I will have on uh, on Thursday and Friday this week, Brenna Casserly, who's one of my favorite people to talk about investing with. So I'm sure that those are going to be in, investing stock market heavy shows. Brenna is the CEO of Emperor Investments, uh, a, a robo-advisor that does things a lot differently than uh, a lot of the robo-advisors out there. So d- between Diane and Brenna, I think we've got a heck of a week. And then you and I back here again next Saturday. So uh, that's going to do it for today, Bobby. Yeah. Thanks for joining me this this uh, fabulous show, Joe. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thanks to everybody <laughs> else for hanging out with us. I wish we could go over some of these slimy stories people are sharing. But if you want to hang yeah. out with us, head to uh, facebook.com forward slash iStake, iStack Benjamins, uh, and you can hang out with us too when we make the show. Yes. All right, the show everybody. is there. The show is there, by the way. You guys can check out the comments after the fact too. The shows stay there. You can watch our shows. Uh, is it tape? It's not tape. It's I don't know. In replay, recorded, it's still here. Replayed. Yes, we leave them there. the show. You yes. don't. You, you, we love it when you're live with us, but you can also come check it out after. Absolutely. And in this case, I definitely encourage you to do that. All right, everybody, uh, take care. We'll see you next time back here at Money with Friends. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihi and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC. Copyright 2019. Our engineer is Caden Thompson. And for a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with a real episode of Money with Friends.